0: We are live. It is a Monday morning, and thank you for joining us here on the Standing Room Spartans podcast with your host, as always, Kevin Parker, riding solo again today, uh, talking about the underclassmen here today. So last week on Thursday's episode, we talked about the 2020 senior class, and I wanted to, to really detail the entire senior class with all of the uncertainty going on around college football, and you know, it looks like right now the the plan is going to be for ten conference games uh, in the fall uh, of the 2020 season. And and who knows where that's going to go? Uh, of course, there's a lot of uncertainty, and you know, I'm not going to pretend that I have any more information than you guys have at home. So we're not going to talk about that. Uh, we're instead going to talk about the players that are hopefully going to be suiting up in the fall. So uh, before I get to all of that, I hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. I hope everybody had a safe weekend. Uh, of course, you know, we we uh, had a little housewarming party with one of my friends over the weekend. And I discovered, eh, maybe not discovered, I've, I've done this a couple times in the past, but um, I, I think I unlocked the key to drinking without a hangover the next day. And that is vodka and lemon water. Uh, No joke, I drank way more than I should have last night. But I woke up this morning feeling fantastic. And that's rare after a night of drinking, especially the hard stuff. So uh, vodka, lemon water, mixed drinks all night. It's it's a great move. You, You get nice. You feel great uh, during the night, of course, and then you don't feel too bad the morning after. So I, I recommend that highly to all you folks out there, especially it's the summertime. You got some day drinking, especially on the weekends. Um, if you're going to be drinking all day, make sure you're staying hydrated out there. A little vodka and lemon water is a nice way to do that. I, I highly, highly recommend it, but you know, again, thank you guys for joining. Thank you for the support. If it's your first episode, thank you for joining us here on the Standing Room Spartans podcast. There's a lot of great episodes, so make sure you go back. I mean, we started this thing off just detailing Mel Tucker, Jay Johnson, Scotty Hazleton, the big uh, coordinator hires, and obviously the new head coach. I did my top 40 all-time quarterback list, which was a lot of fun. It's it's a longer episode, but you know if you're a, a historian of MSU football, you're really going to enjoy that one. Uh, me and a couple of my buddies hopped on and we did the, Our each of our top five favorite MSU games that, that we saw. Uh, we did, you know, the the kind of five or six year outlooks for Mel Tucker. We, we did a lot of couple interviews as well um, with the Eyes on Big guys, Jeffrey the Greek and Big Kurt, um, which was a lot of fun. Make sure you check out that interview and make sure you check out that podcast again. Um, Eyes on Big, b one g Um, They they mentioned during the podcast, but this is basically what I do Um, and and it's something that I recommend. You get, uh, of course, one at Standing Room Spartans uh, local podcast, maybe two local podcasts of your favorite team. You get one conference wide podcast. And and again, that should be Eyes on Big with my guys, Jeffrey the Greek and Big Kurt. Uh, And then you should mix in a national one as well. Uh, One that I listen to is Cover 3. Podcast. It's a CBS production. You have Tom Furnelli, uh, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons. They they do a good job of breaking down the whole national landscape of things. So you know you get you get college football from all angles. Of course, you know starting here with your local team and kind of broadening your horizons from there as well. But again, there's a lot of fun episodes. Make sure you go back and check those out. Uh, And of course, if you've been following us the whole way, I always appreciate your support. If you haven't done so already, go on Apple podcasts and leave a review, ask a question in that review and I'll make sure I spend some time researching and I'll make sure I get to that question on the podcast. It, It doesn't even have to be about MSU football. You know, I've done some, uh, some episodes of some mailbags we've done, uh, if you could live in any college football stadium, which one would it be? what are you know favorite tailgate cocktails and all kinds of stuff so you know it doesn't even really have to be about msu msu football big 10 all all of this stuff you can just have a little fun with it but of course you know it is an msu football podcast so that's generally what we're going to be talking about and that is what we're going to be talking about again today so uh again last week on thursday make sure you go listen if you missed it. We talked about the whole 2020 senior class. Every senior on the roster, whether that's Alante Thomas, a running back who's probably not going to get any carries this year, or a guy like Naquan Jones who who's expected to hear his name called in the NFL draft. And we talked about, you know, their careers up to this point, not knowing, you know, there's a, again, eligibility is kind of a weird issue right now with with what's going to happen with college football, so Wanted to make sure I highlighted these guys and what they've meant to the university, what they've meant to this football team over the last few years, as well as give a uh, kind of an outlook f- going forward to the 2021 NFL draft, possibly for some of these guys, or you know what's what's ahead in their future. So make sure you listen to that. But today we're talking about the underclassmen, and I think there's a couple of potential guys who could leave early. Um, it's, it's something where if, if I had to bet a paycheck right now, I would say that we're not going to have any underclassmen declare for the NFL draft, but there's a couple guys that I do want to highlight as names who in a, there, I can see a, a world, you know, if we run 10,000 simulations, of the 2020 2021 season i i could see a couple situations where maybe one or two of these guys do end up uh leaving early for one reason or another i mean 2020 draft there was 99 underclassmen that that declared for the draft 2019 135 underclassmen um and and in those two years combined there was 68 guys who went undrafted so It's not always something where you're trying to project or predict who are the best players in college football. And of course, those are going to be the guys that leave early. We see great players come back to school all the time. A lot of times, maybe it's uh, an agent that just gives them bad information. A lot of times, maybe it's just a guy looking to get the hell out of their school. Obviously, the transfer portal has been quite popular over the last couple of years, but there's a lot of different circumstances that can lead to a guy leaving early And so there's a couple guys that I want to at least mention as possibilities who could leave early in the 2021 NFL draft um, and forego their their extra years of eligibility. And then there's a couple maybe honorable mention type guys, a a couple guys that I think are young guys on the roster who we could see maybe in the 2022 NFL draft declare early. Maybe a couple guys who are true sophomores right now, or, or maybe guys that. You know, I don't see sticking around for all four or five years of their eligibility. So we'll talk about all of that. Um, but there's three guys that I want to highlight as as guys who I at least want to say are a distinct possibility. Uh, again, if I had to put a paycheck on it right now, I don't think any of these guys leave. I think they all come back. But with the uncertainty around all of this, uh, who knows? Maybe it opens the door for a lot of guys to just say, you know what? I want to maximize my earning potential right now. I want to get myself to the NFL. So the first guy I want to talk about is Kevin Jarvis. This is a redshirt junior coming into this year. He was a four-star recruit out of Chicago. His true freshman season, he started 10 games, which is the most of any D'Antonio offensive lineman. He played 670 snaps and was a Big Ten honorable mention guy. So the trajectory was definitely an NFL offensive lineman I I think there's a little little mistake about that sophomore year he comes back you know he gets banged up has deals with some injuries he starts seven games plays 575 snaps so about 100 less than he did as a true freshman and then last year in 2019 as a junior started the first three games of the season uh, 176 snaps and then get loses the rest of the year to injury and He played right guard his first two years. He played left tackle uh, last year to start off the year. So he's definitely going to project as an interior offensive lineman in the NFL at left or right guard. Uh, But he at least has some tape at left tackle to show a little bit of versatility. You know, he's he's a guy who at least he can show NFL scouts. Yeah, maybe I didn't perform. You know, at an all time at an all Big Ten level at left tackle, but you know you know that in a pinch you can put me out there and I can at least get the job done for you. So I think that's something that NFL teams are going to like to see, that there is at least a little bit of experience bumping outside at left tackle. But um, he's, he's 6'4", 304 is good size. He's got pretty long arms. I, I'd be curious to see what he measures in at. 34 inches is is kind of the the ideal arm length for an offensive lineman. If if you're above 34, that's something where pe- teams will feel comfortable putting you at tackle. Under 34 uh, are, you know, kind of your interior offensive linemen. So if he can get anywhere near 34-inch arms uh, as an interior guy, that's a really good sign for him moving forward. But I, this is a guy where if he comes back, starts all 13 or 10 or whatever amount of games that we have this year, um, and, and puts out a full healthy season and, and performs at an all Big Ten level, which I, I certainly think he's capable of. I, I could see a situation where he declares early. He's a guy who can move people around in the running game. He's a guy who has been at least capable in pass protection. I think he's he's definitely got to clean up his footwork a little bit, but you know, he's he's a mauler in the running game and, and NFL teams. There are certain squads that are definitely looking for that. I mean, obviously, things have opened up with the spread offenses and, and things like that. But you still have your Baltimore's, your Tennessee's um, Cleveland. Even when you look at their wide receivers in Odell and Odell and Jarvis Landry, obviously. But that's a run first team, especially with the uh, new head coach, Kevin Stefanski, coming in from Minnesota, Minnesota, another team who really relies on the running game. We've seen the Detroit Lions really invest in in bullies up front on the offensive line. So while the game is certainly changing, there's absolutely still a place in the game for a, a run-blocking interior offensive lineman like Kevin Jarvis. So I, is it likely? Probably not. But I, I do think that his name is worth bringing up here as a guy who in a perfect storm, if everything aligns perfectly for him, I think that that it's possible that he could come out and be a fourth round pick. But um, he's a guy I don't think is going to be a first, second, or third rounder. I think he's certainly locked into that day three if he is drafted. Um, but that's going to really rely on a healthy season, that first and foremost. And we talked about that a lot with the 2020 seniors especially across the offensive line, man, we just haven't had any healthy guys outside of Jordan Reed at right tackle. So Kevin Jarvis puts out a full healthy season at at an all big 10 level. It's certainly possible. Do I think it's likely? No, but, but Kevin Jarvis is a guy who at least has the talent. He has the capability to be an NFL player. So, you know, again, we're looking at 99 underclassmen declaring last year and 25% of them going undrafted 2019, 135 underclassmen declared and 33% of them, one third of all of them are going undrafted. So it's not even necessarily a a question of, is this a, you know, top 50 top 100 player in college football, you know, or top 50 or top 100 prospect for the NFL. This is a question of, you know, what are, what are some different circumstances that are going on? And, you know, especially with this COVID thing, who knows what other factors are going to play into these decisions. So um, Kevin Jarvis, probably unlikely to to go uh, early, but I, I can see a world where it happens. Now, the next guy is Xavier Henderson. He's been getting a little bit of buzz here and there. Um, you know, there, there have been some articles written about Xavier Henderson as, as maybe the most talented uh, of these of the defensive players on the team this year, I would say Antoine Simmons by leaps and bounds right now. When when you look at just a complete football player, but man, Xavier Henderson can play. This is a four star kid out of Ohio freshman year. He played all thirteen games, hundred and forty snaps on defense, mostly as like a third down nickel or dime DB. They're bringing in an extra DB on third and long um you know he he definitely didn't start any games and he wasn't really in a starting role but but again played a significant part of that defense again 140 snaps you're looking at 10 15 snaps every given game so um he he definitely got out there and made an impact sophomore year he jumps in this is 2019 last year of course and starts all 13 games along with Dowell in the in the safety duo he was uh really just A really complete football player. There's one problem that I'll talk about in a second here, but he was second in the team in tackles first in the team. He led the team in solo tackles, Uh, second most in defense with 838 snaps. He he basically didn't leave the field. Um, He had two interceptions, the one against Western Michigan at the end of the first half, right in the end zone. Um, that kind of stopped one of Western was going into score. I think at that t- at that point, they were down 28-7. So this would have made it a two-score game going into half. Obviously, that game was a blowout. I don't think there's any circumstance that, that can really change that a whole lot. But again, you know, they were looking for some momentum going into halftime. He picks it off in the end zone. And then uh, against Rutgers, he jumps an out route. He, he tripped up a little bit on the return and I think he had a shot to take that to the house. Uh, but yeah, he got tripped up. Uh, he kind of kicked himself uh, <laughs> about that one. Cause he had some blockers out there. He had a chance. To, I think he brought it back about 30, 35 yards, but he, he had a chance to go to the house on that one. But man, he's, he's incredibly gifted in space as a solo tackler. Now, I was watching the uh, Tight Cut, It's it, and I brought this up last week, too. I want to make sure I give a shout-out to on YouTube. It's MSU Tight Cuts. MSU Tight Cuts on YouTube. Um, whoever runs that account, uh, if, if you're listening, thank you for your work, man. That's It's incredible. You can watch an entire MSU football game in 30 minutes, and it's awesome. I was watching the Indiana game the other day and there was a, a stretch where michael Penix, their quarterback hit 20 straight completions and you're seeing some of these teams do this this quick passing game right slants and bubble screens and they're not really taking many chances downfield they're just getting the ball into their playmaker's hands and when you ha- you're running up against an offense like that in ohio state and in indiana northwestern's been doing a lot of that for the last few years you're gonna need guys who can who can get out there in space, square up a guy man to man and make a tackle. And he's excellent at that. He he rarely misses tackles when when he breaks down and, and really squares somebody up. He he very rarely doesn't end up securing that tackle. There was one stretch in that Indiana game where he had I think it was like back to back solo tackles in space. And then another tackle, you know, two plays later or something. I mean, he he definitely has that kind of sideline to sideline speed, where he can get out on the edge and and square up against a bubble screen. But um, the the problem is, and this is going to be something that I think will hold him back ultimately from being, you know, a, a declare early for the NFL type of guy. It's his, I guess, inability. To take on blocks in the running game, again, he's, he's really good when it's just one-on-one, the ball carrier in him. He very rarely doesn't make that tackle. He's very secure. But when there's blockers out there, that's when you start having issues. And, and he ends up on the ground a lot, which is a problem. Um, when When you're going out there and a tight end's blocking on a bubble screen and he's putting you on your ass and moving on to the next guy, that puts your defense in a tough spot. You got to at least, you know, maybe if you're not shedding that block and going in to make a tackle, you got to at least keep your guy engaged on you. You can't allow a tight end to just blow right through you and then get up to the next guy because that's when you start seeing these big chunk plays turn from 15, 20 yards to, you know, 60 yards and a touchdown. So, he's definitely got to clean that up. You know, I think he's just got to work on his upper body strength is, is a big problem right now. He's a little bit lean. Um, so I would like to see him hopefully over this whole quarantine and, and spring practices that we missed. Hopefully he's been taking the opportunity to really work on his body because I, I think if he can clean that up and start attacking downhill and taking on blockers, that's the missing piece of his game right now that can really take him to the next level. So if If Xavier Henderson can work on that body a little bit and really learn to take on blockers and and really be a stopper in the running game, he he plays around the box a lot, right? as that kind of nickel slot guy who's who's really just around the ball and and around the field often. So if he can really develop his body, start taking on these blocks and and really make a bigger impact in the running game. I think that's that's what we're missing in his game right now. That's what's going to take him to the next level because his pass coverage is excellent. Again, his open field tackling is excellent. He's just got to clean that up. And I don't see him coming early unless he really makes strides in the running game. Um, But he's a guy who just all the talent in the world, all the athleticism in the world. So I, I do think he is an NFL draft pick by the time his career is all said and done. But I do think, you know, with without knowing what's going to happen this year, of course, I, I think it's more likely that he comes back. But um, you know, I, I think I would I would love to see him just work on his body this whole offseason and and start developing that uh, that trade and, and shedding blockers, whether it's a tight end or even an offensive lineman coming around. I would love to see that. Um now the third guy here that I think is at least a realistic possibility, and then we'll get to a couple more guys who are kind of long shots, but Eli Collins, uh, this is a redshirt sophomore going into this year. Obviously, last year he was a redshirt freshman. Three-star kid coming out of UD Jesuit. Um, As a true freshman, he he only played in three games. He played six snaps. They kept that redshirt on him. And then last year he comes out, blows up. You know, Fourth in the Big Ten with 988 yards, just under 1,000. He's the leading returning rusher in the Big Ten by quite some margin. It was like if you're looking at the per-game numbers – Um, I think he's the, the leading return, uh, leading returning that, that doesn't sound right. Leading returning, uh, running back in the big 10 by like 35 yards a game or something. Um, yeah, excellent season last year, fourth in the big 10 with 222 carries. He was a third team, all big 10 guy. second, most MSU rushing yards from a freshman since, uh, only behind Cedric Irvin in 1996, he had 300 yard games, last year and, and just he shows a lot behind between the ears, right? He's a, a really patient runner in that Le'Veon Bell sense where you give him the ball, he'll wait, he'll wait, he sees the hole and bang, he goes. He would he's gonna be awesome, I think, in this Jay Johnson offense, a primarily zone blocking where where you really rely on a running back to see the hole and hit the hole. So it relies on ball carrier vision quite a bit. And I think that's something he has in spades. That's something where you know he does a really good job of feeling out the offensive line, feeling out these gaps, waiting his turn, and then hitting the hole when it's there. And that's something that I think is the biggest part of his game, that he does just really well. And he can also make you miss in a phone booth, man. This guy is elusive. He's slippery. He's got some wiggle to him so you combine those two things and it's it's a tailor-made for a zone blocking scheme and I think that's going to be a really nice improvement for him this year under Jay Johnson uh, an offensive coordinator hire that I didn't love but for Eli Collins I think it's specifically going to be awesome for for his progression as a player now in the passing game he needs a lot of work uh, his pass protection is not very good and he he. Showed a couple drops already last year. He didn't have a whole lot of targets. I think he only had like 15 catches. But in a pretty small sample size, he dropped a couple balls and just doesn't really look natural when he's going out for a uh, a catch. He doesn't really extend his hands. Kind of lets the ball come into his chest a little bit. So that's going to be something that he really needs to work on, especially, again, in today's NFL um, there's there are a few teams out there who can who can look at you and say, hey, we don't really need you in that pass catching role. We got a guy for that. You know, if you're if you're looking at a Tennessee, a Baltimore, a San Francisco, uh, Green Bay, now there's a lot of teams that are still looking for just a, a running back, right? Some of they can give the ball to and make something happen in the running game, but. Um, there's obviously a lot of teams out there now who are looking for that dual threat guy, and and as of right now, Eli Collins is not there, so he's going to need to work on just his natural catching, natural pass catching ability. Need to work on the pass protection, which is it's very common for a young running back. I mean, this is still a guy who's who was a red shirt freshman last year, who's only played in really basically 13 games if we don't count those six snaps as freshman season. So. You know, in your high school days, you're very rarely relied upon in pass protection, especially against a little bit more exotic blitz packages and things that you're going to start seeing in the college game, especially before making the leap to the NFL. So it's something that's common for running backs at his age, and that's certainly the case with him. But uh, he's definitely going to need to clean that up because and when we're talking about strictly running the football, Kid's excellent, and I think he'll absolutely have a shot at the NFL when his number's called, but definitely have to work on that pass protection, definitely have to work on that pass-catching ability. Now, again, this is a guy where do I see him leaving after this year? Probably not, but if he does improve a little bit in the pass-catching game, if he does kind of make those strides in pass protection a little bit, and you know puts up another season where he's averaging, you know, 85 90 maybe even 100 yards per game if i'm a running back i do everything i can to get paid now and i've said this for a long time if if i'm a running back in the college game who has any draft stock whatsoever i'm going because that's a position where last year again he was fourth in the conference with over 200 carries which means probably about 200 times that you're getting tackled which means on top of that another few reps where you're you know you're trying to stand in and, and block a defensive end that's coming in uh blitzing linebacker there, there's just so many collisions involved with that position that i'm looking to get paid as soon as i possibly can and so this is something where Eli Collins probably not but again if I'm a running back and I have any sort of draft stock where they're saying hey you know if i could hire an agent to tell me, that, hey, you're a third round pick right now, or hey, you're probably even a day three pick, but I'm pretty confident that you will get drafted, even if it's in the fifth or sixth round, I'm probably still taking that opportunity. And so Eli Collins, while I don't think it's likely, I think there's absolutely a shot just because of the nature of the position. Um, This is something where I think the NFL and the NCAA need to do a better job of allowing underclassmen more information before they have to make that decision we've seen the nba recently and i think this has been a home run move they've allowed players to come out to hire an agent to go to the scouting combine and really get an evaluation from nba teams and and if they don't like what they hear they can always come back to school and obviously the NFL doesn't allow that. Once you enter your name into the draft, it's over. Uh, once you sign an agent, it's over. So I would love to see, especially for a running back like Eli Collins or, or uh, you know, a safety like Xavier Henderson, some of these guys who I think have the traits, they have the ability, I would love to see them be able to go to the combine, put out their testing numbers, interview with some teams, talk to an agent, and really get a better picture where if I'm a running back, and again, they can kind of uh, almost guarantee that I will be drafted one way or another, I'm taking that opportunity. So I would like to see them move to more of an NBA model where they allow players to go to the combine, they allow players to hire an agent, and then ultimately come back to school if they don't like what they hear. I just, I I want the players to have a little bit more power in this process. You know, again, when you see 25, 33% of players that are underclassmen coming out and going out undrafted and, and more or less ruining their careers when they could have come back to another year of school, gotten their degree on top of, you know, adding some, some skills, adding some traits to their game to possibly get drafted the next year. I, I just don't think that's right. And I think we should get a little bit more power into the players hands. I think that's something that could do it, but Eli Collins, again, he's going to have to work on his pass protection. He's going to have to work on his pass catching, but as a pure running back, man, this guy's as good as they come. He, again, he really can make you miss in small areas, which is an incredible trait, right? When you're running between the tackles and can make a linebacker miss in a phone booth, that's that's impressive. And he does that all of the time on, on his tape last year. So um, those are the three guys that I think probably won't happen, but it's at least a realistic possibility. Now there's a couple guys here I want to mention as well that maybe even after next year you know there's a couple guys that are maybe sophomores that I could see leave after leaving after their junior year so aft in the 2022 NFL draft um, and then a couple guys maybe given circumstances I could see leaving as well here so we'll get into those guys um, in a second right here but I did want to mention those three Kevin Jarvis Xavier Henderson and Eli Collins as three relatively distinct uh, possibilities of of coming out now a a couple more guys here I have Connor Hayward he's a redshirt junior he's a guy that again I don't think he'd get anywhere near getting drafted I think he might get invited to a camp but he's a guy who wanted out he entered the transfer portal it didn't really seem like teams were that interested in him uh, I could see a situation where he just ends up declaring for the draft and says, "Hey, if an NFL team wants to take a chance on me, you know, let's give it a shot." But at the end of the day, maybe he just doesn't like his Michigan State experience. Maybe it was a coaching staff thing, and and this new coaching staff comes in, and you know, he feels more comfortable. But he's a guy who wanted out, and a you know, I could see the there's a situation where he just says, you know, it's screw it. Let me just get out of here one way or another, and and we'll figure it out later. I mean, it's pretty good in the passing game. Good pass blocker. He's pretty natural pass catcher, especially for his size. So maybe an NFL team invites him to a training camp, you know, whatever. But I don't think it'll happen again. But he's a guy who wanted out one way or another, so... I could see that as a possibility. Trenton Gillison, he's going to be a redshirt sophomore going into this year at tight end, super athletic, 6'4", 250, fluid athlete, natural pass catcher. He can go down and make a tough catch uh, you know, on the ground. He can go up and get it in the air. He can break a tackle after the catch. So this is a guy who just has all of the traits and just needs to put it all together and be a little bit more consistent. So maybe – probably not this year after his redshirt sophomore year, but certainly after two more years in school, uh, after the 2020 and the 2021 season, he would be a junior coming out. I, I could see a world where he could declare after his junior season, uh, redshirt junior season. Kalon Gervin, he's a guy without a whole lot of starting reps. He, he had one starting, uh, game against Ohio state last year, but he was a top 200 recruit. He clearly has the talent for it. He's Penciled in for a starting job, I think this year. So again, he's a redshirt sophomore. he would probably not be after this season. Maybe after next season, if he if he can put out two really quality starting seasons out there. Again, we know he has the talent. We know he has the raw ability. Can he put it all together in two seasons, starting and leave after his junior year? I think it's at least worth talking about. Shakur Brown, kind of the same way, doesn't have a whole lot of starting reps out there. I think he started five or six games last year. Dealt with some injuries, but you know, is it a possibility that he could leave? I guess uh, Michigan State's done a great job of putting corners into the NFL. So, hey, you know, I'm not going to doubt this uh, this coaching staff, and I'm not going to doubt this program's ability to put a cornerback into the NFL. Jaden Reed, he's. Going to be a redshirt sophomore going into this year, of course, out of Western Michigan as a true freshman. Four 100-yard games His first game as a as a college freshman, true freshman. They played at Syracuse, you know, obviously a, a Power Five team. Seven catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown. He was a freshman All American with 56 catches for 797 yards and eight touchdowns. Also had a punt return touchdown. So he clearly just stepped in right away and dominated Mac competition. He was second team all Mac uh, from pro football focus. And he's a guy again, who just has that ability that I think flashes very obviously on the football field. And you can say it was against Mac opponents, but when you're coming in as a true freshman and doing that to people, man, especially against Syracuse, a power five team that that's really gets your name out there on the radar. So uh, after a red shirt season, because of the transfer rules, he comes in this year as I would think our number one wide receiver. So if he has a big year this year, I probably still won't happen. But again, he's a guy where after two years of starting experience at Michigan State in a power five team, uh, I could see leaving after his redshirt junior season just because he has the talent So if he can put that all together at the power five level and and basically just keep the trajectory that he's on, I can absolutely see a world where he leaves after his redshirt junior season, because especially at the wide receiver position, these guys are not staying five years. If you're an NFL receiver staying five years in school, that's a rarity. That, That just doesn't happen. Most of these good NFL receivers, most of these guys, especially at that position are coming out early. So Redshirt junior season, I think, is going to be the target where if Jaden Reed really puts it all together at the power five level consistently over the course of a season or two, I think that's possible. And Jalen Naylor, I guess, is another guy you can throw on here. The biggest problem is just injuries, but he has the raw athleticism without without question, right? But he's a true sophomore. Again, not going to be after this season, but maybe after his junior year entering the 2022 NFL draft, I think that's a possibility. If he can put together a couple healthy seasons, put together a couple displays where he really shows off his receiving ability on top of his just natural, you know, get the ball in his hands and let him make a play ability. uh, Butch, I do believe he has. Again, you go back to that pinstripe bowl, and that's the one where it really stands out that Cody White, Daryl Stewart, they were both healthy. Jalen Nay was the the best pure wide receiver on the field, I think, at times in that game. So um, he's another guy where, again, if he can put together two healthy seasons, I I can see a world where he comes out early to the draft. So I, again, you you asked me to bet a paycheck. I don't think any of these guys are leaving this year uh, for the 2021 NFL draft. But some of these guys are sophomores that I could see leaving after their junior season, after putting out two starting years on tape. Some of these guys, I think there are some other circumstances involved, and you know, again, just with the whole COVID thing, nobody knows what kind of extra factors are going to come into play in these uh, players' decisions. So, um, you know, hope hope for all the best. I, I think these guys are are definitely talented football players. Just need to clean up a couple things uh, to get their name called in the NFL and, and continue this streak uh, of Michigan State players being drafted in the NFL. So that's today's episode. Thank you again for joining us. Again, if you haven't done so already right now, go on Apple Podcasts, leave a review. It really helps me out. Uh, ask me a question in the review. I'll have a little bit of fun with it on the show. Uh, even if you're listening on Spotify, if, if you could really do me a favor and spend 15 seconds, go onto the web browser, just search Standing Room Spartans Podcast It'll pull up on Apple Podcasts. Leave me a review. I would really, really appreciate that. And tell your friends and family. I really appreciate all the support. This thing just keeps on growing, and I really, really th- have you guys to thank for it. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at MSU. We do a lot of fun stuff on there. Uh, on Instagram, uh, that's something I forgot to mention off the top. We have the new Standing Room Spartans Instagram account. Uh, just went live yesterday as you're listening to this, I think two days ago, whatever it might be. Uh, my math's a little bit off after those vodka and lemon waters this weekend. Uh, but yeah, make sure you check it out on Instagram, on Twitter, everywhere. We're doing a, a constant countdown that we've been doing for a while. That's starting to blow up a little bit. Um, the countdown to the start of the season. So, you know, we're 50, 49, 48 days away. Uh, I pick a a former Spartan who wore that jersey number. So today, as you're listening, is Monday, which I believe is 47 days away. And I do not remember who I have pegged for this one. Uh, But Sunday was Percy Snow. Saturday was Max Rosenthal. Friday, let's see here, number 50 was Josh Thornhill. Uh, Foo Fanetti, 51, 52, uh, that's where my memory, I'm starting to forget who I put on there, but it, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, people have, you know, a lot of these guys, uh, that are following me on Twitter, they know some of the players that are being mentioned, or they know their family, their family's gotten involved, retweeting, commenting. So it's, it's been a lot of fun interacting with you guys again. standing room, MSU, on Twitter. So have yourselves a great week. Thank you for joining. Hope you had a great weekend and keep it uh, locked right here because again, every Monday and Thursday, we will be putting out an episode. I've been really consistent with that, which has been uh, you know, appreciated. I know by a few people who have reached out. So every Monday and Thursday, uh, but if you just subscribe, you'll get them right onto your phone regardless. But Monday and Thursdays, make sure you tune in Appreciate the support. Have a great week. Take care.